A curious man pushed back the rusty chain-link gate leading into a huge junkyard that was strewn with wrecked and wasted automobiles of all kinds. The man appeared to be on a mission as he tramped through the miserable landscape of ruined cars, weeds, and overgrown grass. After poking around for some time, he stopped and stood still before a mangled wreck that would have been indistinguishable to anyone else. Yes, he said to himself, this is what I came for. The man promptly went up to the shabby trailer with the sign that read office and knocked on the door. A gruff looking character opened and said dismissively, what do you want? The man pointed and said, I want that car. The owner responded, it's worthless to me, just takes up space, so you can have it for nothing. The man answered, no, I want to buy it. Here's $7,200, the price it cost brand new. The owner was speechless, but happy to take the man's money, whom he took to be a fool. A year later, the man returned to the same junkyard to visit the owner. After coming to the door, the owner grinned, thinking that he was about to make some more easy money. Just then, the man pointed to his car and said, I just want to thank you for selling me that beauty over there. It took a long time to restore it to showroom condition, but was well worth the effort. It's a 1969 Chevy Camaro ZL1. Only 69 were made. So it's quite rare and now worth over a hundred times its original price. So thanks again. Like that man who saw a treasure in the junkyard, bought it and then restored it to pristine condition, God does not see us as discarded junk, but as priceless people made in his image and worthy of restoration. In fact, through Christ, God redeems us to restore us to showroom condition at his expense. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Apostle Paul spells it out like this. If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So how does one become a new creation? We have just entered another year where the old one has now passed and a new one has come. But this new year will grow old day by day and month by month. So is that the kind of new God wants to do in us? Two distinct Greek New Testament words are translated as new in English. One is neos, which means new in time, like a new year. The other is kainos, meaning new in kind or quality, like a new way of thinking or behaving. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the new creation mentioned is a kainos kind of creation, which is something totally different both in kind and quality than before. Let's take a closer look. With verses 14 through 17 in view, notice Paul's assumption. 
He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all. So that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one in the flesh. Even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Paul assumes here that the love of Christ controls believers, which results in a kind of people who no longer live for themselves but for him. Does this sound like you? He then goes on to say that since true believers are not the same as before, they recognize no one by the flesh anymore. The reason why follows in verse 17, where Paul concludes with, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. Clearly, he is talking about a new kind of person whose identity is rooted in Christ. Does this kind of new interest you? If so, you might be wondering how it can happen. And what is required of you or me, if anything, to make it happen? Before turning to another Bible passage for the answer, recall the story about the man who restored the ruined car to perfection and ask this question. What was the role of the wrecked car in its restoration? If you answered nothing, well, you're right, because we all know that cars are inanimate. But what if that particular one had a mind of its own? In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul makes an abrupt shift from presenting theological truths that pertain to the gospel to the application of those truths in daily life. With all that he wrote in chapters 1 through 11 in view, Paul then addresses his readers with this exhortation. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy to God and well-pleasing, which is your reasonable service. Paul's call to them is God's call to us as well, which is to present ourselves to God by setting ourselves apart from anyone and anything else in order to serve him wholeheartedly. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice that is holy. And only this kind of sacrifice is well-pleasing to God. So often we focus on the tangible things we give to God, such as money and time, which is all well and good, but what the Lord desires most is not what we have, but who we are in Christ. In effect, the present God desires most is for us to present ourselves to him entirely and wholeheartedly. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Well, that's because it is simple. However, you might follow with the quote, it's easier said than done. Yes, 
this is easier said than done. But if God is involved, then it can be done and will be done. Notice the word be in that statement as it relates to the word done. For something to be done, someone must do it. The question is who? For the answer, simply turn to the next verse where Paul issues this clear command in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Notice that the verbs be conformed and be transformed are passive, not active. This means that the action is not done by the believer, but by another. The only action expected of the believer is what he or she allows to be done, which means we don't actually do anything. Paul is simply stating, don't allow the world to shape you and make you into its image, but let God so transform your life that your mind is renewed to think as Christ and behave in Christ. The Greek word for transform is metamorpho, from which we get the word metamorphose. Literally, this means a change of form from one thing into another, like a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. Now, with that image in view, what does a caterpillar actually do to become a butterfly? As you know, it spins a cocoon, dies to itself, and then is born again, if you will, into something radically different and incredibly beautiful. This is precisely what God wants to do in you and me. He's just waiting for us to let him. You see, it is God, not us, who renews our mind to think like him and thus behave like him. By the way, renew is translated from the Greek word kainos that appears in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where Paul said that a person who is in Christ is a new creation, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. God does the work. Our only task is to let him. Everything in the vast universe in which we live was once new, but gets older over time and eventually passes away. Yet, in the midst of time and space, God has come to us in the person of Jesus to redeem us from the junkyard of life that we have created for ourselves and each other. He wants to make us new in a way that will never get old. It is a work only God can do. And for that to happen, we must let him have his way with us. So, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, let's diligently and simply let the Lord work through us and into the lives of those around us for his glory, both now and forever. Now, three questions for your consideration. First, 
What new thing would you like to see God do in your life this year? Second, what stands in the way of this new thing happening in your life? And third, how will you respond to allow God to do this new thing in you?